The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 172nd ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, later in the show, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine, to discuss college football, specifically the big Alabama-Mississippi State game tomorrow afternoon. My event of the week that I attended was... Boston Bruins president Cam Neely hosting his 20th annual Comics Come Home at the TD Garden. And for the first time it was held at the TD Garden. The event has grown so big over 20 years uh, that they needed to go to a bigger venue and no bigger inside venue than in Boston than the Garden. And it looked like a sellout. Uh, it may not have been an official sellout, but... Uh, seats were sparse, and we're talking 12, 15,000 people easy, and it was just really quite a night, uh, my first one that I've attended and covered. Uh, the master of ceremonies was Dennis Leary, who was absolutely terrific, to say the least. Uh, we all know him from the show Rescue Me on FX Network. And some terrific comedians, including Jimmy Fallon. Doesn't get any bigger than the Tonight Show host these days. He was terrific. And also Lenny Clark, uh, another great comic from the Boston area who you've seen uh, in many TV shows, to say the least. So he, Dennis Leary's from Worcester. Lenny Clark's from Boston. And along with Jimmy Fallon and a host of other really terrific Comment, comics. It was just a wonderful evening. Uh, it was an adult show to be sure, <clears throat> but just nonstop laughter for over two hours. And truly an event that I expect I'll put on my calendar every year. It was uh, just a wonderful night out. It had a tremendous Boston flavor to it. Uh, they did a video at the beginning 
with Dennis Leary that was uh, poignant and fascinating, just about Boston in general, touching on the marathon bombing uh, and just handled in, uh, you know, a very appropriate way. And again, it was just really a true uh, big night out in Boston and lots of laughs. So it was uh, a pleasure for me to attend. My highlight of the week was the uh, NFL Salute to Service Month getting underway pre-Veterans Day last weekend uh, by, again, reinforcing uh, the mantra of, you know, on any given Sunday, starting with the Jets dominating the Steelers as Exhibit A. Somehow I find it fitting that during Salute to Service Month, uh, this game more than any other, maybe this entire season, just fittingly showed that the underdog always has a chance. There is no reason whatsoever to believe that the Jets had a chance in this game. Can't remember a game more in recent memory where that was the case. The Jets in complete and total disarray, losers of eight in a row, absolutely nothing whatsoever to lead you to believe that they had a shot against what was by far the hottest team in the NFL. Ben Roethlisberger coming off two record-breaking weeks, six touchdowns, two games in a row, the first quarterback in NFL history to do that. The Steelers, by all accounts, clicking on all cylinders ever since they had that... uh, flurry at the end of the first half in the Monday night game against the Houston Texans, where they basically scored 21 points in the span of a minute or two, and it looked like uh, they had turned their season around, going from that launching point, they had basically looked utterly unstoppable by any team, let alone the Jets. So it was just uh, you know remarkable to watch. And this game wasn't even close. This was total domination from start to finish uh, by the Jets. So it wasn't like anything lucky or whatever. So as Chris Berman from ESPN likes to say, that's why they play the games. And it was really uh, unbelievable to watch, to say the least. Another big note from last week. Really sad to see. Carson Palmer get injured and be out for the year. Another one of those dreaded non-contact injuries. He had a guy kind of reaching for him, but, you know, he didn't cause the leg plant and thereby the torn ACL. And again, just truly a shame. Um, You know, he's fought. He hasn't been the same guy since he was injured, hard to believe, eight years ago in the famous playoff game against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. And he just kept fighting back, twists and turns throughout his career. And it was finally back on top of things, literally quarterbacking the only team in the NFL with only one loss. And to see this happen was just sad. Uh, I think the Cardinals, you know, playing in the toughest division in football with the 49ers and Seahawks, not to mention the Rams. I I think they're a well-liked team. I think everybody likes their story. And... uh, you know, Bruce Arians as their coach. And it was just uh, sad to see. Drew Stanton looks like a capable backup. He came right off the bench and threw a bomb to John Brown, who 
promptly held one of the best end zone celebrations in recent memory. Uh, so Drew Stanton's already won a couple of games when Palmer had a minor injury earlier in the year. So not writing him off, but uh, we'll see. They're, of course, looking to become the first NFL team to play in their home stadium for a Super Bowl in Arizona come February. Well, there was no such drama as the Jets-Steelers game. Not that the game was dramatic, but the upset was dramatic. Uh, But no such drama for my low light of the week, which was the Chicago Bears literally pulling a no-show and reaching a new bottom on Sunday night versus the Packers. I was actually... Looking forward to this game, and it could not have been a bigger dud. To come off a bye week, where the previous week, prior to the bye, they had given up 50-plus to the Patriots. They get a bye week. They come in against their blood rivalry, rival, the oldest rivalry in the NFL, against the Packers. And to do that was just uh, almost incomprehensible. And by that, I mean allowing Aaron Rodgers to throw six touchdown passes in the first half. We thought what Roethlisberger did was amazing the previous two weeks. uh, What Aaron Rodgers did to throw six in the first half is uh, practically mind-boggling. And uh, so, yes, it was uh, just almost sad to see. I find Brandon Marshall to be a fascinating figure. I think he's great on Inside the NFL on Showtime. Um, You know, he wears his emotions on his sleeve, and I just watched that game in disbelief and wondering what he was thinking. My bizarre story of the week is Clayton Kershaw getting the MVP, And it's bizarre only in that it just seems comical in a way after the postseason is held. And by that I mean, here the guy gets the MVP and every 99% of the dialogue about him winning the MVP is negative, talking about his postseason failure. To a much lesser degree, the same could even be said for the... uh, AL winner, Mike Trout, who didn't have a great pro season either. And I don't know what the answer is. Uh, You know, Kershaw's uh, postseason failures are even, you know, accented, accentuated by the fact that Madison Bumgarner of the arch rival Giants in the same division had uh, a postseason for the ages. So, again, It almost seems like, I know it's a regular season award, I totally get that, but it just seems like, you know, it is 2014 after all, maybe there's some way to, you know, announce the award literally the day after the season before the postseason starts, because I actually felt bad for Clayton Kershaw. Here he is, he's named the NL MVP winner, and everybody, and I mean everybody, is putting it in the context of his postseason failure. That was the dominant conversation. And it just seemed uh, like a world turned upside down. I get it. You can't, you can't talk about Clayton Kershaw and the year he had without talking about what we last saw, which was a miserable postseason failure. 
So bizarre to say the least how it all works out that way. And, and this by no means is the first year, but the fact he's a pitcher winning the MVP had again, a season for the ages, uh, just really, uh, makes it just stick out all the more. So now as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills. So let's take our break. Next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacey DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how you doing today? Well, I'm doing great, John. I'm in Tuscaloosa at the moment, bright and sunny, 
little chilly, but looks good for tomorrow. Terrific. Well, I know you've had quite a run covering the Alabama football team in recent years, but, uh, you know, this two-week stretch, meaning the game you were at last Saturday night and Death Valley when they came back to beat LSU in a dramatic overtime game, you know, hosting the undefeated number one team in the country tomorrow night. You'll be there at that as well. Uh, you got to be loving it. Uh, you know, again, you've seen a lot of great things in the past few years, but this has to be a pretty good back-to-back combo in and of itself. Yeah, John, it's interesting because, you know, this Alabama team is probably not as superior to some they've had in the past. So when you're attending these games, covering these games, you're not sure what's going to happen. I mean, you sometimes the offense is clicking, especially at home, but on the road they've tended to struggle. And, you know, Blake Sims is a first-year starter, even though he's been there for five years. He really blossomed last week, I thought, in the fact that he he didn't play well during the entire game. He was off on some of his passes, plus the receivers were dropping the ball, so that's a bad combination. And uh, he had to tie that game up with 50 seconds to go. He did, and he, they were fortunate in overtime. He had a chance to win it, win it and they came out on top. So he can put that in his back pocket when these games are going to be tight, next three or four games. He can feel confident he can bring the team back, and the team will feel confident that he can bring bring the uh, team back. Exactly. You know, <clears throat> when you have comebacks like this, even though it was the favored team making the comeback, uh, you always see stuff that you just can't believe. You know, there is the... Uh, LSU sitting there at, I believe, the one-yard line, and it looks like they're going to go in and win the game, uh, or at least go up seven. Uh, And, you know, the offensive lineman gets the penalty, and then, of course, next thing you know, it's a field goal, followed by the LSU kicker unbelievably kicking it out of bounds, giving Alabama fabulous field position. First thing I thought of, of course, was, you know, the Super Bowl when the Patriots beat the Carolina Panthers when, uh, you know, in that final drive, the Carolina Panthers kicker kicked it out of bounds, giving Brady and the Patriots a short field to go in for Adam T- Vinatieri's second Super Bowl game-winning field goal. It's the first thing I thought of. Uh, so I'm, you witnessed it. It must be even more unbelievable in person than it is watching on TV. I'm just thinking, was that – did that um... – Special teams coach have a long-term contract. Yeah, exactly. You just can't believe it. Like, the minute that ball went out of bounds, the moment it went out of bounds, I'm just sitting there thinking, you know, Alabama's going to tie or win this game. Like, it's – I can't think of a bigger, like, sign or omen than something (laughs) like that. You know, it just, I'm sure, energized Alabama, you know, to no end. You know, it just it just turns everything around, you know, in an instant. Um, so it must have been unbelievable to be there. Yeah, John, it's like giving someone a free play to start off the drive. Or a free penalty, whatever, yeah, however you want to say it. And uh, when they have that, you know, that additional yardage, you're thinking, well, they don't have to go that far. Well, that's it. 
that's it. You know, again, I remember well the Brady, the Brady moment, and and I was next door at the hotel, literally right beside Reliance Stadium for that Super Bowl. I was not in the game, but I was right next door watching with hundreds of Patriots fans, including Dion Branch's family. I mean, we everybody just went nuts, like we had won the game just with the kick going out of bounds. There's just something about that play because it's so unusual. It's just what you said. It's like giving them a free play. You know, any team that would start, you know, a last-ditch drive uh, at, what, 35, right? Right, at 35 yeah. Line. yeah, I mean, anybody that would start at the 20 and get a quick 15-yard play to start the drive would be equally energized. But, again, to me, it's psychological. It, it, there's, it just infuses energy into the team attempting the comeback. It's just something that, like, it just sends, like, a, a positive divine sign that, like, all right, you know, we're setting you up, and, and your job just got a whole lot easier. And I just think that's exactly what happened. Yes, yeah, a boost to the offensive team and to the quarterback, and everybody comes out there thinking, hey, maybe it's our destiny. We, they've just given us 15 yards. Let's take it down the field. Let's tie this thing up. Let's see what we can do in overtime. And sure enough, that's what happened. And the receivers you know, started to catch the ball, and and uh, Blake was on target. So that was a good, you know, good mixture for them to make the comeback. And, and I'm telling you what, John, I don't know if I've seen Nick Saban happier. Yeah, that was amazing, you know. When I think of Alabama and the power that they've been in recent years and certainly for, you know, decades beyond that, given their history before that, uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't associate them because they are the resident powerhouse. Uh, I don't associate with them with last-minute comebacks. It's just, uh, you know, not that they aren't capable, but they're usually not in that position. So to see them do that, it's like they've added another, uh, you know, weapon to their arsenal as something you have to worry about. Like, you know, they're, they're never dead as if, they didn't have, as if they didn't present enough issues to worry about. Now you have this one. And like you said, now you have Blake Sims all of a sudden with a, you know, a comeback like that under his belt, and that makes him a different quarterback like it would any quarterback, period. Yeah, you know, you know when A.J. McCarron was there a few years back, they had to make that last-minute drive, and he won the game, and there was a flood of emotion released by A.J. because he understood the pressure an Alabama quarterback is on every game, and especially those big games. So, you know, Blake, he's pretty cool out there, and he just he just went about his business, and, and good for him that he's been able to win all these games and show people that he's a capable college quarterback, and he's, he's playing, I think, uh, almost to his potential. Almost, John. I mean, he's right up there, you know, bumping on the ceiling of his potential. I mean, that's how well I think he's played through the year. Exceptional. Yes, uh, no doubt about it. You know, and it's clear the team loves him. His teammates love him. There's no question. That's been evident from day one. He's a 50-year senior, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And, you know, so you were there. I mean, just going back to the, the, the kick, I mean, what was the mood? Was it stunned silence in Death Valley? or And is... Part two of the question, is, is that, like, the toughest place in America to, like, do what they did, meaning come back? 
I, to answer your, your your second question first, John, I I think it's very difficult because it is it is wild in that stadium. I mean, and then they have all day to let's say prepare for the moment. For the fans. <laughs> it's all in the preparation, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> and 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 they were nervous because they realized their team had left Alabama too much time and it made a, a bad play in the kicking game. So there was a, a good chance that Alabama could, could drive the field and, and the kicker, you know, they were, you know Alabama, they were competent in their kicker. So, yeah, they, they were uneasy the whole time, the LSU fans. Yeah, well, that was an, the other thing I was thinking about, you know, given their past kicking woes. I was pretty impressed with that kid, uh, you know, coming right in uh, number 99 there and, you know, so it seems like they put that behind them. They have a lot of confidence in this kicker, right? Yeah, they do. I believe they have confidence in him. And, uh, you know, John, he's from Poland, that young fellow. Right, right. Like Sebastian Janikowski. Yeah, so so uh, he, he's, he's got something to hang his head on now. that He's made that field goal and tied the game up on. They, they can look to him in the clutch to feel confident. Must be something in the water in Warsaw, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, think so, I think so. Well, I, I just saw Sebastian Janikowski in the home opener for the Patriots this year, and the guy, you know, he, he's ageless, and, you know, he just booms kicks. I mean, he's a fast, you know, he, he's over time become a more and more fascinating figure. He's always been fascinating, to put it mildly, but now even more so as, you know, he has a lot of years and a lot of big kicks. Yeah, it just reminded me that you know I watched him not that long ago in the in the Snow Bowl. Well, it was that long ago? It was thirteen years ago. Hard to believe, but <laughs> right, right. You know, when I watched him in person, you know, uh, uh, just a couple of months ago, booming kicks at Gillette Stadium, I couldn't help but think back and like remind myself that hey, this was the guy that was kicking, you know, the last game ever at the old stadium in the <laughs> Snow Bowl and. Uh, Anyway, um, fascinating game. Another fascinating game scheduled for tomorrow, but you know we're we're bumping up against our break. Um, so why don't we take our break now? And on the other side, we'll talk about uh, where you're at, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the football capital of the world, yet again this weekend. Uh, We'll get into previewing tomorrow's big game against Mississippi State on the other side. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. On the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. 
you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And on the line with us still is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, live and sitting in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, preparing to cover tomorrow night's epic matchup between number one undefeated at Mississippi State and perennial powerhouse uh, Alabama at home in Tuscaloosa. And A.P., we were talking about last week's great LSU game, and let's rewind on that game to what really started the entire chain of events at the end of the game, which was running back T.J. Yeldon's fumble, and he got hurt. So I've got. To, why don't we start our preview of tomorrow night's game by asking, what is the status of uh, T.J. Yeldon? Well, he's he's back practicing according to Nick Saban, and he was doing well. Now. I tend to believe things when I see him on the field. Right. Uh, you know, that that's going to be my my way of uh, verifying that information when you see him out there carrying the football, especially in the first quarter, the first series. So supposedly he's been out there practicing and he's, he's been moving, moving along and, you know, looking well. But I don't know. Uh, some people say he might be limping. So there's two different stories running around here. Yeah, well, seeing is believing, and uh, I'm with you. You know, when I see him uh, on the field, then I know. By the way, I'm looking at ESPN Live from Tuscaloosa. Looks like a very nice day down there. It, it really is, John. It's bright and sunny, and uh, wind's blowing slightly, but it, it's uh, nice fall weather. What, looks about what, 68, 70 degrees? Um, I think it's a little bit less than that, John. I think it's in the about 60, a little bit less than 60, probably. Better than what we got up here in New England. Snow, snowed this morning, and I, I, I know that you being a, for, a resident of New England, uh, that you, you are probably glad to hear it. Be glad you're not here. It was, it was a rude awakening uh, for the first snowfall of the year, and now the cold is setting in. So, again, uh, you're in a better place, to, <laughs> to put it mildly. Uh, so, 
What's the mood in the state of Alabama? It just must be awesome. I mean, awesome in anticipation for the game, but also, uh, you know, probably a little anger floating around, for lack of a better word, given uh, that Alabama was not in the Final Four in this weekend's college football playoff pool. Uh, what's, 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 the, what's the mood in the great state of Alabama? Yeah, people are a little nervous about that poll, John, but if, if Alabama wins out, they'll, they'll be in those, the playoffs. And uh, it's, it's just a question of, you know, can you beat Mississippi State at home and then you have to beat Auburn at home? And, and then I suspect you have to go to Atlanta and take on somebody from the East. But, you know, Alabama hasn't played here in a month, John. The last time was the Texas a and game in the middle of October. Well, if they play half that well, again, we'll be over at halftime too tomorrow night. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. You, you don't need your blanket for the second half, right? But, yeah, that was a it, near it, flawless. Yeah, that was near perfection. Sure was, John. And they've played quite well at home. They've been very efficient and focused on the game. And, you know, the defense has played well. And so I think they're looking forward to coming home and playing the number one team in the country. And, you know, there's, it's quite a challenge to play against that. Prescott, he's mentioned in the Heisman, he's probably one of the favorites uh, alongside Marcus Mariota of Oregon. So, you know, when you're looking at that game, John, right away I'm thinking, who can tackle that big, strong quarterback from Mississippi State? And he's got the same offensive leader as Tim Tebow did at Florida, Dan Mullen, Dan's the head coach of Mississippi State. So you know that he's going to get a lot of opportunities, and he's about 235 pounds, and when he gets going downfield, as we've always mentioned about these excellent quarterbacks, you can call the right defense, but you still have to get them on the ground. Exactly. That's that's a really good point. That is, you know, it always comes down to blocking and tackling, and that just says it in its most simplistic terms, what you just said. you gotta yeah. got to put them on the ground and... Easier said than done, and it has nothing to do with scheme. No, no, no scheme involved. And, and it just so happens Alabama's leading tackler is a big, tough linebacker, Reggie Ragland, about 6'2 or 3, 250 pounds. I, he's going to get that assignment, and he's a, we'll see how he fares on Saturday, but a lot will depend on how those linebackers tackle. Exactly. You know, you mentioned Tebow, and... Uh, I heard a funny story on ESPN that I did not know that I guess Dak Prescott is a huge Tebow fan, and in fact, his dog is named after Tebow. I'm not sure exactly what the name is, but it's somehow named after Tebow. I I wasn't aware of that. I thought he wears the same number, 15. I thought that was good. I like that. I thought it was just uh, (laughs) fascinating. I love those little anecdotes, and that just caught my attention when I heard it yesterday. Oh, oh yeah, it's, it's always interesting to get some background information on these players and some things slip out in a timely manner, let's say. Yeah. And so his coach, Dan Mullen, was Tebow's offensive coordinator, correct? At Florida, sure was. Wow. Wow. That just, uh, you, you know, and it's interesting in that, you know, he's been a fan of Tebow since he was a kid. It's not like he became a fan of Tebow when... You know, Dan Mullen got to be his coach. So, you know, more than a coincidence there. I'll bet that probably played a role into him going to Mississippi State, I would think. Yeah, I would think that 
he probably mentioned his name and how he was able to coach Tim Tebow to a Heisman Trophy and success in the collegiate level, on the collegiate level. So I'm sure it wasn't too uh, hard to get him to start. But I, don't, I don't think he had that many offers, but he sure has turned out to be a great player for Mississippi State. He's an all-time great, matter of fact. He is, and you know, uh, I mean, as we're talking, I can't help but think about, uh, you know, it reminds me a little of the Cam Newton-Auburn game against Alabama in that, you know, just the big, strong quarterback, uh, you know, coming in off just uh, the year of years, clear, uh, and... You know, it just seems like it could be a, you know, and I'm not talking about the result, just the type of game, you know, could be a, a bit of deja vu. I mean, Alabama's facing a very similar situation, I believe, that it faced with Cam Newton and Auburn back a few years ago. And I know you were there, so you remember that game well. Yeah, John, you know, Cam Newton came in Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama, and Johnny Manziel did the same thing in their Heisman years. Uh, one thing about that, that Auburn game that was interesting, Alabama actually played pretty well against Cam Newton. Uh, one of the safeties failed, and Mark Barron at the time, he was injured, and they had inserted them in the lineup, and they threw a couple passes his way, and like, and if you're, you're covering someone, you could be right on them, but you still have to put your hands up and knock the ball down. So and Alabama kind of fell apart that second half. We had a 24-point lead, and... Uh, Cam, Cam Newton led him to that, that victory, which, you know, that's like a permanent nightmare for the people in Alabama. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But, you talk but, about uh, six degrees. Of, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. John. I'm going to say that they really did box up Cam Newton when he tried to run the football that day. They did an excellent job. So, and, and one of the reasons I know they were totally focused on corralling him and you know, keeping gap integrity. So, Maybe this game, Alabama's going to be zeroed in on Dak Prescott, and they'll, they'll have to win it some other way if Mississippi State hopes to be successful. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, you mentioned Mark Barron. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, talk about six degrees of separation. I talked earlier in the show about Carson Palmer going down. I believe it was Mark Barron who was the player closest to him, reaching oh. for him. <laughs> I mean, how yeah. ironic is that? Um <laughs> I I thought of you the minute you know, and he, he certainly didn't do anything wrong. You know, it just you reach for him, and Palmer then went down with the non-contact injury. But anyway, the poll, uh, pretty fascinating in that it seems like the committee, which we're all just getting to know, and they're just getting to know each other for you know for that matter, it seems like. Every week, they just delete previous weeks from their memory banks and start out as if it's their first meeting ever. Uh, It just, you know, having, you know, with Florida undefeated, being leapfrogged by Oregon, I believe, uh, you know, it's fascinating. I I don't object to it. In fact, I think there's a part of me that almost likes it. I'm sure there's nobody down in Alabama likes it at the moment. But again, you, you know, they win tomorrow and... They're in, period, end of story. But what do you think of the college football playoff, you know, week-by-week poll? And, you know, I'm growing to really enjoy that show on Tuesday night. I think it's quite well done, actually. Yeah. My, uh, the greatest surprise I had on Tuesday night, like everyone was 
Florida State dropping to three. Correct. I I didn't quite understand the the, the scrutiny because John, the toughest thing to do, and this was told to me by a very good coach, is to get your team up every week to play with the intensity and you know try to defeat the other team. It's just very difficult and, and extremely challenging. So for Florida State to have nine on one side of the ledger and a zero on the other, that in it of itself is impressive. Right. You can't take it for granted. It's, it's even more impressive when you're the defending national champion and you've won 24 in a row uh, or whatever it is um, because, you know, you're getting everybody's best shot. Um and, you know, the pressure of the streak mounts along with the pressure of being, you know, a uh, defending national champion. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure. And I think Florida State is at this point in time and throughout most of the season one of the more disliked teams in recent memory. I feel like I'll just go back to the game that Jameis did not play in where he was suspended. And, you know, I, I think the entire country was rooting or Clemson that night, you know? (laughs) It just felt that way. I mean, but all that said, you still have to respect what they're doing, you know? I don't look at four-second half, four-second halves where they were behind and they came back to win as a negative. I see that as a positive. I know some people would say, well, you know, if you're that good, you don't fall behind. I, I don't see it that way at all. I see it as, you know, slow starters, but you know they're they're doing what needs to be done to win these games. So you, again, you know, my admiration for them is growing a little bit each week, rather than going the other way. Don, I can tell you right now, there's not many people in America who want to play Florida State and Jameis Winston. Exactly, exactly. And now you have again with the streak, these second half comebacks, the fact that it is twenty plus games in a row what is it 25 26 i don't know exactly uh but you know now now they're starting to build a little bit of a mythology around them you know like you know these guys can't be beat period so uh, right yeah they were, they were behind by i mean big numbers john oh absolutely big numbers no question I mean, it, it wasn't you know seven, ten points. It was three touchdowns and things were looking bad and uh, and the, the announcers, they're almost getting ready to concede that the other team's going to have, you know, upset Florida State. So, you know, my hats are off to them. You know, because you don't have the, your defense is not as good. So, you're, you're putting the gas on your offense and, you know, they're performing when they have to, which is you know, mandatory for this year's version of the uh, Seminoles. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the Seminoles game on the other side. We're up against the break, but, you know, uh, that, that's a potentially noteworthy game tomorrow night, to put it mildly. Anytime Florida State and Miami get together, it is. So, Let's take our break, and we'll talk about the Seminoles versus the Hurricanes on the other side of the break. 
internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P.'s down in Tuscaloosa for the big Mississippi State-Alabama game tomorrow night. And uh, the other big game of the night is, well, actually the game is tomorrow afternoon in Tuscaloosa, 3.30 Eastern time. But the big game tomorrow night is Florida State versus Miami. And uh, that's a special rivalry. I mean, and the way Florida State's been playing against these teams, uh, I think it's going to be a good game. What do you think, AP? Yeah, John, uh, there's a possibility that Miami will get, I mean, can give them a contest because they're playing at home, I believe. That's the biggest factor. Exactly. That the, um, that, yeah, if that game was on the road, John, I, I don't think I'd, I'd, I'd give uh, the Hurricanes much uh, hope. Yeah, well, my first thought is, and it really is one of the great rivalries of the last few decades, uh, especially if you go back into the 80s, wide right, wide left, all that stuff. Uh, you know, some terrific stuff in the history of that rivalry. But what I most want to see is something we haven't seen for a long, long time. I was thinking about this last night watching the Bills-Dolphins game at Sun Life in, uh, in Miami Gardens is... I want to see a packed house for a Miami home game. It's just that simple, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those, yeah. those ga- and, and I assume we will. I would be shocked. I mean, if I live in South Florida, I'm going to that game, period. You know, yeah, how, how can would, you not? I def- yeah, I would definitely be at that game. You get a Heisman Trophy winner, the defending national champions. They're undefeated. You got a chance to for the upset. I mean, they, they got that, you know, fabulous tailback they have, Duke Johnson. He's very good. Correct. So, exactly. You know, you want to see what he's going to do against the stiff competition. 
And uh, I, I'd definitely be there if I was a Miami fan. I don't see any reason why I wouldn't. Absolutely. I just think it's, you know, and, the, and what makes it different is, you know, your team, you know, if you live in South Florida, your team, uh, you know, has a genuine chance for an upset, mainly because of Duke Johnson. Uh, you, you know, if ever a team, you know, is flirting with getting upset, we were just talking about this, obviously, in the previous segment, it's indeed Florida State. You know, they've been living life on the edge. And, you know, and there'll be a lot of Florida State fans. When I say a sellout, I'm not talking, you know, we're talking Florida State here, and the game is in the state of Florida. <laughs> You know, I, I think that will justify the sellout as well. But, you know, I just think back to those great games out of the, down in the Orange Bowl that, you know, when Miami was a superpower. Uh, for years and years, they were just awesome. And none were better in that era than, you know, Florida State-Miami games. Uh, I would just, you know, I miss them. I, I just hope that tomorrow night... At minimum, Miami State, Miami, excuse me, is competitive. I guess in a perfect world, what I'd like to see, what I think is going to happen truly is I think, uh, you know, Miami's going to jump out to a lead, as many have team, as many teams have over Florida State this year. And then Florida State's going to launch a furious comeback, as it has been, you know, patenting this year. And we'll just see, see what happens, you know, and then we'll just go from there for what I hope will be a, you know, a fabulous fourth quarter. That's how I'm looking at it. Yeah, John, I mean, some of those years, Miami University was better than the Dolphins. Absolutely. No question. <laughs> I mean, you know, the the list is long. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think of them, those teams, when I see Vince Wilfork up here, I'll play on Sundays, you know, and it's just on and on and on, but I'm just saying he is one guy I'm lucky enough to get to watch in person. He's now, you know, really had a long-term Patriots career, has become, you know, upstanding citizen for sure in every way, and uh, yeah, you know, the U. What can you say about the U? They're just, they're, they're a fascinating team. Who rose to that rare, rarefied air of you know, when they're on, you watch. You watch them either because you love them or, or because you hate them, but you watch them. Another thing to look for tomorrow, John. You know, Jameis only had ten interceptions last year. This year, he's already had eleven and nine games, so he's been giving the ball away uh, more frequently than he did in his Heisman Trophy year. Yes, yes, he, you know, he's not having anywhere near the year he had last year, and, and that's, you know, that, again, that whole situation, their whole year has been analyzed uh, more this week than previous weeks because they got leaped in the polls, and, uh, you know, they're still winning, but again, you know, you know, it feels like they're just living life on the edge and that it's, like, bound to catch up with them. And certainly, if it's going to, certainly tomorrow night sets up as a night when that could happen. No question. Yeah, I don't know what the final outcome is going to be, but uh, if it gets close at the end, I mean, how many times can you pull that rabbit out of the hat? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, these rivalry games, both at the NFL and college level, but even more so at college, you, you know, you, you really can throw out 
the the cliche of you know uh it just you know it doesn't matter what the records are it really doesn't um and and i think that's what we're going to see from miami tomorrow night i mean they've been looking you know they've been nibbling at the edges of getting back on the national stage al golden appears to be have been a good hire you know they've clearly reestablished themselves not as a national power but as a, as a player shall we say and you know but but they need a signature victory and and no one knows more than them that tomorrow night's their opportunity to do that and that just instantly puts them right back into the national conversation not to win a national championship but as you know a team to be reckoned with that's the next step for them and and they know they can take it tomorrow night and the, and the folks in Las Vegas seem to think so too, John. There's a, just a two and a half point point spread on that game, I believe. So somebody knows something about Miami coming back on the elite team. Yep, I'm not a gambler, but you can't ignore Vegas odds. You know, they're they're they're, you know, they just get it right too often, and that, certainly I'm well aware of the fact that it's only a. You know, it's a two-point spread. And uh, so, yeah, it's going to be fun. And, you know, I think it's going to be more fun and even more intriguing since it happens after the Mississippi State-Alabama game. It will elevate the drama, really, no matter which team wins, actually. You know? I mean... Oh, 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 yeah. It it doesn't matter if Alabama wins or Mississippi State. It's still... People are going to be tuned in to watch James Winston anytime he takes the field. Uh, even if you're watching your own team, you're flipping that dial to get an update on his on his antics and things. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, he is a uh, just again a you know a fascinating figure. And saw Pi- Paul uh, Paul Feinbaum, the, the mouth of the South, uh, interviewed on Keith Oberman yesterday and. He was talking about a lot of interesting things. He's the guy who said about Dak Prescott loves Tebow and the dog being named after Tebow. But, yeah, he said an interesting comment just about Jameis Winston that, you know, he, he just doesn't think it's going to end well uh, for him, you know. Um, we all are aware of what's been going on with him forever. But I found that to be an interesting uh, interesting point, you know. You know him better than me. I'm, you know, he's a legend down south. So, it was an intriguing comment, just put it mildly. Yeah, what he said I, was, I he know. thinks there's there's more things lurking in the sycamore tree, shall we say? That was his exact quote. Yeah, probably so. I mean, you just never know what some there's going to be a surprise with him, and you're going to have to investigate on some level some incident. Correct, and more important, and just as importantly, the incidents that are already out there don't seem to go away. Like they don't seem to get finalized. <laughs> you know, no. Uh, no, I was never feared at the end of the sentence. It, <laughs> perfectly said. But we're going to have to put a period on the end of this sentence for this show. Hard to believe another hour has passed. Another week's show is uh, uh, coming to a close. But AP, thank you. Enjoy tomorrow night. I think everybody, myself included, and all our listeners, uh, enjoy watching the games, knowing you're there when we're watching it through your eyes. So it's going to be a great one, and I'm sure you're going to have a fabulous weekend. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, John. Thank you as well, and uh, I'll look forward to our conversation next week. We all will be. Can't wait to get your perspective on uh, uh, what's clearly so far the game of the year. So thanks again, AP, and thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.